This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, we've been studying the book of 1 Peter, and we're getting close uh, to winding up this particular book before we get into the book of 2 Peter. So I'd like for you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want to to pick up tonight uh, with uh, the... Actually, I'm going to read verse number 1 and 2, and we left off with uh, verse number 2 last week, but uh, I think it's good to touch on it again a little bit tonight before we actually get into verse 3. So 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, look with me in 1 Peter chapter 5. The elders, and we talked a little bit about that last Wednesday evening. Uh, some churches uh, operate with elders, some with elders and deacons, some just with deacons. Uh, our church is not a carbon copy of any other church. And that's the beauty of being autonomous and indigenous. And we uh, do, do things that uh, are not in replicas of other people, and I'm sure vice versa as well. We just do what the Lord would have us to do according to the scriptures. And uh, so there's not a dogmatic type of an approach to this um, thing. Uh, we talked a little bit about the office of elders last Wednesday night as well, but Peter is saying, which are among you I exhort, and he identified himself as being one as well, who I am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock. This is the admonishment. And if you remember, Peter reminisces just a little bit, I'm sure, as the Lord had that very special conversation with him. Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And he asked him three times. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And so when Peter gets to this place in the scriptures, there's no doubt in my mind that he begins to reminisce about that early morning breakfast that Jesus came and uh, fed uh, those disciples after that uh, unproductive night on the Sea of Galilee fishing. Uh, but then you know the rest of the story. Jesus said, uh, cast your net on the other side. And you you know the the victorious ending of that story. But he said this, feed the flock of which God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. And uh, it, how true it is that no ministry uh, or an elder or pastor uh, should be motivated by money. That should not, and there, believe me, that that exists. Uh, in, in ministry today. But uh, according to the word of God, that should never be the motivation uh, for, for the gospel. But verse 3 says this, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being, and this word in sample means example, examples to the flock. And so uh, in, in verse, let me go back to this just for a minute. Uh, because in, in verse number two, it talks about of a ready mind being equipped and, and uh, able. Uh, and a pastor or shepherd 
an under-shepherd. Let me, let me say it this way, that I, as the pastor, I'm an under-shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. There's one much greater than me. I'm an under-shepherd. And God has placed within me a genuine concern for people. And that's, that's all the difference in the world. Uh, you, now I could tell you that there are many, many people that would love this pulpit or love a place in a pulpit and could care less about people. People is what makes the ministry. You can have all the programs in the world. You can have, you can have royalties of programs, but programs are really not the ministry. It's the people. And uh, the under-shepherd of a local New Testament church has to have a genuine concern from his heart uh, to reach out to people. In verse number three again, neither being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. We have to remember this, that there, there's only one Lord in the church, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have emphasized through the years that one of the reasons why, uh, and I'm glad we have scriptures on the screens and, and uh, we're able to get these verses up for you to follow and uh, that sort of thing, but here, here's what I challenge you with, and you, you really need to take this to heart, that Whatever I say from the pulpit, you need to be able to take your Bible and you need to be able to look at Scripture, doctrine. You need to be able to see yourself that what I'm preaching is the truth. I'm glad and I'm appreciative that you're willing to listen, but you need to always put that in check and balance and make sure that the sermons and the teaching that comes forth from this pulpit is the unadulterated word of God, that it is true. And so you, you need to be a student of the scripture yourself. The Bible says that we need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. And that's certainly true. So I want to admonish you and I want to encourage you as you, as you read and study the scriptures, you need to make sure that what is being taught, what is being preached is the truth. In verse number four, this again is talking about the shepherd and God being uh, the ultimate shepherd of the flock. But the scripture says this, when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Now, let me say this. Uh, that and underline those words, chief shepherd, because I'm going to give you a couple of scripture references tonight to put in the margin of your Bible uh, as a cross-reference to this thing. So you look at it, chief shepherd, and uh, let's look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 11 real quickly. They'll get that on the screen for you. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 11. Look at the scripture he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm 
and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Now along the shepherd line here, there are three aspects of the shepherdhood of Jesus, of God. One is the Lord Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. As we just read in the scriptures, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 4. But then John 10, 11 talks about him being the good shepherd. So let's look at that scripture for a minute. John 10, verse number 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. All right, so we've talked about the chief shepherd. We've talked about the good shepherd. And then let me show you the great shepherd of the scripture in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 20. And this is good stuff for you to go back and cross-reference and and to refresh yourself in the shepherdhood of the Lord Jesus. Now, Hebrews 13, 20. Now the grace or now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. So underline those words, great shepherd. Through the blood of the everlasting covenant. So keep these three things in mind. He is the chief shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And he is the great shepherd. I am the under-shepherd, not the shepherd. In 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse number 5, the word says this, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. And it's important that I, I, I personally train people in the ministry. And I'm glad we have so many programs that are training people to carry on the work and who are doing these great things behind the scene. I'm thinking about all the Iwana folks that are getting ready to start another season and the training that's involved with those and for every, every participant in that. I'm grateful for our youth ministries tonight and how Brother Dan is doing a great job uh, in training up these young soldiers of the cross. And I'm thankful for Brother Adam and Sister Corey as they lead the young adult ministries and uh, for everything that is being done, whether it be in our Sunday school, Sister Judy and, and Sister Vicki teaching the ladies' Bible studies and uh, I look around here and there's so many people involved in the teaching, Sister Linda and Children's Church, Sister Judy. There's so many, and I see some Awana workers in here tonight, but I I'm thankful that we have a ministry that reaches out in such a way to where we are concerned about those coming behind us and those who will take up these responsibilities should Jesus tarry us coming in future uh, years uh, for future generations even. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. I think there's something that we can all learn from one another. We, we all have stories. We all have experiences. We all have uh, truths that has been embedded in our minds and hearts. Maybe we've got a lot of skinned knees along the way, spiritually speaking. And I think each one of those episodes speak volumes 
That's why I was telling you just a few moments ago about stone staggers. We've got some testimonies, maybe perhaps that's been uh, welded up inside of us for so long. And let me tell you something. One of the best things we can do as believers is to share those experiences. Uh, not to boast or lift up ourselves, but we can help others and encourage others and teach and train. You know, there's going to come a point in time. Uh, I've been here for 42 years, and that's that's an incredible milestone, and I'm thankful for the opportunities that God has given me. But you know what? I'll be 65 next month. There's going to come a point in time in my life, in my ministry, where I've got to start thinking about training somebody to, to help us, to help me along the way. And... Uh, teaching them sound doctrine and, and because let me tell you something, anybody can take this Bible and open it up and, and, and say, thus saith the Lord, but it takes a whole lot more to, to know the word, to study the word, to search the word, to guide people in the word and uh, to invest in somebody after four decades of ministry uh, would be a special, unique individual. But that's what God has commissioned, uh, us to do, and that is that until the Lord returns, the scripture says for us that we have to occupy until he returns. That means we have to stay busy and we have to think about, we don't, we don't boast ourselves of tomorrow, but we have to think about tomorrow. We have to think about the future, the people coming behind us and how important it is to build up people in the faith. That's why it's important that we reach out to the community and invite people to come in and, and trust God to build our church, to build our work. I'm glad on Sunday mornings the place is full and we give God the praise for that, but it's not full enough. We've not reached our potential and we need to reach out even more so, but we need to train and we need to, and let me show you uh, an example tonight. Um, in the in the word here, I want to read verse six first. Let me mention this while you're looking at verse number six. That's exactly what Elijah did for Elisha. He trained him. He equipped him for the ministry. But verse six says this: "Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time." I, I tell younger preachers this all the time. God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose. And you just need to wait on God. Trust God's timing. That's the best timing. But I like this scripture because it gives us great warning and great exhortation. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That's speaking of humility. And let me remind everybody tonight that pride is a terrible thing. God knows how to deal with pride real quick. And this is what I wanted to show you in 2 Kings chapter 5. We're talking about Elijah and Elisha. But let me show you how something works here in the scriptures with pride and how it connects with 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. And so if you go to 2 Kings chapter 5 and look at verse number 10, most of you are familiar with this story. Um, and Elisha sent a messenger unto him. You remember Naaman was a captain in the army of the host. And uh, he had a terrible disease called leprosy. He was a well-respected man. He was a man of 
renowned. People knew him. He was an influential individual. He was a man of royalty. Uh, he, he knew how to command uh, his soldiers, and uh, he was well-respected. And unfortunately, he got the terrible disease of leprosy. You know the story. You know how it plays out. And so he begins to inquire on on the prophet of God, and uh, he had heard about some miraculous things going on. And so he sets out on this mission to meet this great prophet. And so he goes to the home where the prophet was, and uh, this is very important. I want you to see this. You might have read this verse a hundred times and never seen the significance in the first part of it because it really deals uh, with an essence of pride. You see, when Naaman got to his house and knocked on the door, Elisha didn't throw the newspaper in the floor, grab his slippers and run to the door. He didn't do that. If you read this carefully, the Bible says that Elisha sent a messenger to the door. Now, this infuriated Naaman because he steps back and he says, you need to to go back in there and tell him it is Naaman. The Naaman is here. Now, the messenger didn't do that, but look at this. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him saying, Elisha knew who he was. He knew his status. He, he knew the position that he held, held in. And he said this, he said, I want you to go down and wash in Jordan seven times. And he said, if you do that and thy flesh shall come again to thee and thou shalt be clean. Now, first of all, Naaman got puffed up because Elisha sent a messenger to the door. This is how pride began to germinate in his heart. He got really mad that he wasn't getting the attention. You know, that's happened to me a couple of times throughout these last 42 years. I've had certain circumstances where Scenarios have come up and I have had a deacon to respond to this or or a deacon to respond to that and somebody get a little puffed up because it wasn't me on their doorstep. Now, I've been on thousands of doorsteps. I've walked thousands of hospital hallways. I've, I've done that thing and still do that thing. But there are certain times that I can't be everywhere all of the time, and I'm thankful that I do have people that I can reach out to that can go and do these things. But Naaman got so bent out of shape, the word says in 2 Kings chapter 5, 11, not only because of what the prophet told him to do, he was already bent out of shape because Elisha didn't deal with it promptly himself, but Naaman was wroth. That word means angry. And he went away and said, behold, I thought, look at this, He will surely come out to me. Does he not know who I am? That's what this means. That he would not come out and talk to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. You see, Naaman wanted Elisha to perform some miracle right then and there. Make me clean. And that's not the program. That's not what was was going on. So he got very mad. Now, let me ask you this question, because most of you that know Bible history and you know a little bit about the geographical places of Scripture, in fact, 
when we go to the Holy Land in February, I've taken you with me, some of you with me before. We'll go down to the Jordan. I'll even baptize you in the Jordan if you so desire. But the Jordan by nature is not a luxurious sea. You can go down to the Mediterranean. You can float in the in the uh, Dead Sea. You can you can see the beauty of the Galilee. You can do all of these lakes and seas and have a great experience. And they're beautiful places. And when you get to the Jordan nowadays, you can look at it and reminisce where Jesus was baptized and you can get an incredible blessing. But in the day, Jordan was a very, uh, it, it was the least of the prestigious places to swim, so to speak. It was not the swimming hole. In fact, it was a, it was a terrible place. It was a, it was a very muddy, dirty uh, river. And Naaman came up, hey, you know, what about this place? And what about this place? And, you know, he tried to reason with the prophet. But it was very specific, very specific. Now, think about this. If Naaman had said, okay, I'm willing to do this one time, but there's no need in us dragging this thing out. There is no need for me to go down there and dip seven. I'll go down there and, and do it one time, maybe twice at the most, but I'm not doing it. And now, do you think one dip would have cleansed his leprosy? Absolutely not. Two or three or four or five, six wouldn't have done it. God's chemistry said seven. And so when you think about this, the, the whole element about that story is about pride and the dangerous ground that people walk on when they get puffed up. I want to give you four quick verses tonight. We're out of time already. But let me give these to you before we end with tonight's study. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 13, I'm going to give you four scriptures on pride. Write these down uh, in, the, in the story here in 2 Kings. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse number 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy. And the evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. In Proverbs 11.2, the word says this, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. And in chapter 13 and verse number 10, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. And then chapter 16 and verse number 18, and probably this is the one you're most familiar with. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. And pride almost caused Naaman to be a leper for the rest of his life. And so humility, when we get back to 1 Peter 5, 6, let me close again with reading it. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. We have to be humble people that he may exalt you in due time. God knows where you're at. He knows what you're doing. He knows what he has called you to do. Just be faithful to him. Don't get ahead of him. Be faithful to him. And in due time, the word says, he'll promote you, he'll advance you, he'll exalt you uh, for his honor and his glory. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.